Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 420, and today I'm excited because we're going to do one of my favorite things, and that is a hot seat session. We're going to do a hot seat session with my good friend, Chris Schaefer, and we're going to dig into, uh, into someone that is currently selling right now, having a few issues, wants some advice on sales, as we always get these. We, we always get these requests. My sales were going okay. Now they're not doing so, uh, so good. Why? What can I do to fix it? Should I pursue all of that? So we're going to actually dig into that. We have some stats and some uh, some information that he actually gave to us. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. Chris, are you excited today or to I do another excited. hot seat? Anytime, anytime we do a hot seat, I get pumped up, Scott. You know that. You know I love I know seeing you do. these, dissecting these things. We get a little nerdy in the numbers. And, <laughs> you know, you, you and I have talked about we're not great at math. Neither of us are very good at math. But the business numbers stuff, you and I kind of have down pat. And so anytime we can take a look at what's going on and offer a little bit of advice and hopefully help somebody out, that kind of fires us up a little bit. And then we dig into our own business and, and implement what we talk about when we find the exact same thing that we just analyzed. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you know, and uh, whenever we do these, like we kind of go through that whole process, right? You and I have talked about this, like it's usually asking the right questions, right? There's like, right. there's things that we have to ask ourselves and kind of reverse engineer the problem. And I think, you know, he's already done it. And his name is Taff. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, Chris. It's T-A-F. Um, that's what we're going with. That's what we're going with. So uh, Taff, if, if you're listening, which you should be, and I'm going to actually send you an email, let you know that we answered this um, on a hot seat. And I asked you if we could, you said, yeah, you'd love it. But uh, yeah, I just, again, I think that it's asking the right questions. And with the information that he's provided for us, I think we have some, some good things that we could, we could offer here, or at least some good questions to ask. Um, so Chris, I'm going to go ahead and just read a little bit of this. So he says, Hey, my name is Taff living in the UK and selling in the U S. So anyone out there thinking, can I sell from the UK to the U S the answer is yes, you can. Um, thanks so much for all the info you shared. I followed and gotten results from your techniques. Uh, it's helped me in business and in life as I chase that purpose. I have a super sticky situation, Scott. It's a sticky situation, Chris sticky. Super sticky. Are you ready for the sticky situation? I am. All what's, right. What's going on? All right. Would love to get your opinion on what I can do. Um, is it time to ditch this product? Liquidation may be the key, but I know that involves taking a heavy loss on massive overstock. The problem. Now, I love this. I just want to I want to give uh, Taff some props here. This email is like broken down so perfectly. You guys hear me talk all the time about how I love emails that are broken up into chunks, especially if you're asking questions. This is even bolded in in some of the areas. So my it's underlined and highlighted yeah. and broken out in sections, which is perfect for you. Scott. My brain just loves that stuff. It's like, oh, cool, I can follow along. All right. So the problem in bold and uh, you know really really stand out uh, you know section bolding here, right? So the problem. Sales plummeted almost instantly from 15 to 20 units per day to only three per day in the space of three weeks from June into mid-July. Conversion dropped from 13% to now 3%. ACOS, ACOS shot from 25% to 100%. Before sales plummeted, I had reordered 1,500 units to meet demand. These are sitting in a warehouse as all of a sudden I can't even move 200 units. I have left in FBA. Kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah, that does kind of suck. Uh, I sacrificed expansion to meet increased reorder levels for this product. The speed of the change has truly shocked me. Is Amazon business really this unpredictable? 
Chris, why don't we start there? What's your thoughts on that? So first of all, no, it's not Amazon business that's just unpredictable. It can happen in any anything. Right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and Scott, you you throw this out, and this is the example that I've heard you use in the past, which is, say you own a brewery or a brew pub, right? Yep. And right down the street, another brew pub opens up. Well, overnight, part of your business is going to go away. Some of your loyal beer fans are going to go try the new place mm. and see what happens, right? And the other place that we see this a lot, especially in e-commerce, is in a, a potentially seasonal product. And having read through this, there may be a little bit of that at play here. Um, just knowing kind of what the product is, that was where I jumped to as well. But the other, you know, there, if you get knocked down or there's some com competition that comes in, you can have some swings, but it's not an Amazon thing. It's a business thing. Mm. And that's something that we got to keep in mind. And it, it can happen to any of us and it has happened to us in the past. So it's not just you <laughs> No, and it's not just the Amazon thing. It's business in general. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, there's always going to be. Uh, things that happen in business, whether you're brick and mortar, whether you're online, whatever, it, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be changes and uh, and pivot is going to be necessary. So in this case, we have to ask the right question. So at this point, okay, and so let's just kind of talk a little bit about this, right? So things are rolling right along, 15 to 20 units per day, um, and then all of a sudden it dropped um, from three, you know, from 15 to 20 down to three per day. And, and you said it happened in June into mid-July. Now, the first thing I would ask, is this a seasonal product? And Chris, what's your thoughts on this? We're not going to reveal the product, but what's your thoughts on this? Could this be a seasonal product? I don't think that it's seasonal in the sense of it's not a snow shovel. Right. Um, but I do, I definitely think there is a seasonal component to it, mm -hmm. potentially. Mm -hmm. um, and that may, that may be playing a role here. Although I would think that it, it would accelerate during that time frame, not decelerate during that time frame, if that's what was the problem here. Yep. Yep. The one thing I do want to highlight though, is, is we're talking about summertime too, right? So summertime generally, not in all markets, but in generally in a lot of markets in e-commerce across the board, sales are generally lower in, in those months in July, August, and coming into September. Um, so again, that's, that could be a small part of it. Doesn't mean that that's all of it, but I again would want to look back at the history. I'd go to Google trends, maybe camel, camel, Camel or Keepa, I'd use some of those apps, and I would want to look and see if it's if it's just me, um, or if it's if it's our product. Okay, so that's that's the first thing. Now, here's what happens, right? Like you you get everything selling, everything's doing well. You're convinced this is going to work. You order 1,500 units, and your sales drop, and now you all of a sudden sitting here thinking to yourself, Am I going to be able to get rid of these 1,500 units? And you know the answer is yes, you can most likely get rid of them. You're going to be able to liquidate them. I'm almost 100% positive of that. You might have to reduce it down to where you break even 100% or maybe even lose a small little bit just to get rid of them to get some of that capital back. Um, but it happens. I don't think that that's going to be necessary. Now, he did share the product with us. And Chris, you and I both know what the product is. We know the market. And I would say this. This is definitely a market that you could build an email list in, you could deliver content on on a regular basis, you could be front of mind. So you could you could utilize that email list or that Facebook group and you can you could be pushing this product every single day. Um in in those groups. And I don't mean pushing it in a bad way. I'm saying like sharing uh you know information or doing a big giveaway that gets people interested that's into this market. And then from there sharing this, because this could be also, this could also be a problem or a, a solution to a problem that people have 
when, when doing this. So because of that, we could also draw attention to it, shine the flashlight on it a little bit. And then from there, we can say, oh, but we have the solution. Um, so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there. There is room to basically grow, uh, you know, an email list and, you know, an audience in, in this space. Um, so you have that going for you. Now, the one thing I do want to say is, and I believe it's, is it on this first one, Chris, that he actually bundled two products together to differentiate himself? Yes. Yes. Okay. So because of that, he did that. And that's why he believes that it was doing so well. He's like, you know, I took two products that were selling relatively well, put them together, priced it accordingly, and it did well. Right. And it just, it knocked it out of the park. I mean, 750 units, I think is what he said. Um, you know, sales rocketed, sold out of 750 units, uh, by mid, uh, February. Okay. And he said could charge up to $25 with ease. Um, but, uh, more than double the competition, um, which was selling at about 10. So I believe what he's saying here is, is that the competition went up after he did it and other people kind of copied what he was doing. Is that, am I, am I hearing that right? And that's correct. And that was one of the things that I said, Scott, when we took a look at this is there is an element of, of much lower priced competition in here as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, so with that being said, Chris, what's your first bit of advice or what's the first question that we need to, to ask ourselves here? Well, the first thing you and I need to do is we need to actually pull up the Jungle Scout screenshot, and that's what I'm doing right now. Okay. So uh, while, <laughs> while so while you're doing that, while you're working, I'm gonna I'm gonna stall, but I'm going to do it uh, in a way that I'm gonna add some value here. Um, here here's the deal. Um, the other thing that I want to let people know, and you and I know, is that he also says he believes he has here again in possible reasons for drop. So he has like a little highlighted area here. The total review count was 36. Um, now. With 36 reviews, selling out at 750 units, that's pretty darn good, okay? First five reviews were uh, family and friends, so okay, you kind of went down that road. Again, I'm not really, I'm not a huge fan of that, uh, but you know, in the past, I, I would say do that if it was your first product, and again, if you haven't done any communications with those people or bought things because then Amazon knows about it, and it's not that you're going to get necessarily in trouble, it's just that it won't be verified and they may not even show up. But you did it, you got five to stick, great, congratulations. Um, enjoyed a, fur a further 18 or so organic reviews that were reasonably po or that were really positive, stayed at four to five star with ease. Then all of a sudden, in June, I received a slew of negative reviews. Six of my nine negatives came in this period. The face of my review section looks awful as the negatives dominate first view recent. So, Chris, do you believe that that has something to do with the drop in sales? I think it absolutely can. Yes. Now, taking a look at this Jungle Scout screenshot, I don't know that that's the only factor, but okay. anytime you see a, a kind of a big shift in your star ranking or your overall review sentiment yep. is the word that I'm going to use. Wow, Does that make sense, nice everybody? Word. The, yeah. the sentiment of your reviews, <laughs> how positive or negative the verbiage, the words that people are using mm -hmm. are, that can, in fact, impact your conversion rate, which is going to impact your overall sales, mm. which is therefore going to impact your keyword placement, and it's kind of a negative downward spiral, right? And that's one of the reasons, Scott, that you and I talk about make sure you're using that follow-up sequence and make sure that you're actually responding to reviews, even if they're like a three-star, a two-star, and definitely all of the one-star reviews, if you can kill people with customer service kindness, then that goes a long way to countering some of those, especially if they're baseless. Now, hmm. what I'm seeing, just taking a look at some of Taft's reviews, is 
they're probably not baseless. It's probably just the way that those people are using the product. They just don't like it. Right. And it, it's it's a matter of opinion. And so they're rating it as kind of a one star, which is not something that you can avoid. But what you can do is you can kind of counter that with the positive customer service interaction on the backside. Now, Chris, let me ask you something because you're looking at it. Um, did he respond to those one stars, two stars? He did, but it looks like it's a canned response. Ah, okay. Okay. And, th and that's a big deal to me. Um, you do not want to, in a canned response for anyone that's wondering what that, what that means, it's basically just like the same response for every single uh, one star or two star. It's like, you know, oh, I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, let us know if we can, you know, further service, you know, or, you know, I can give you a refund or, or, or make it better or whatever, right? So there's going to be like this canned response. Um, you don't want to do that. You want to know or let them know that you are reading this and you are wanting to make it right. So giving them a way for them to contact you or just direct them and educate them on how to do it. Or maybe they're not using the product correctly and then you can, you can direct them to a resource or maybe you've created a YouTube video that shows how to use the product better uh, or how to you know set it up or how to properly care for it or any of those things. Anything that could show them that you went the extra mile is going to help. And it's going to show anyone else that's reading that one star that you're there and you're listening and you're a company that's willing to address these, these, uh, these issues. Um, so I think that's important. So that would be my first thing is don't just reply with the standard template that you created. Do not do that. Um, that I would definitely not, not do. Now, he does say in here too, I don't know if the change to emails or the email terms by uh, Amazon means less customers know they can just email me if it didn't work out and I'll just refund them. I start I started getting less direct refund requests after that change. Those really helped me resolve potential issues quickly. What's your thoughts on that, Chris? They should still be able to email you. Uh, now, what probably happened is some of those people were unsubscribed from marketing messages, so they weren't getting your initial email. Mm. And uh, that is, you know, that there's, very little that you can do about that, unfortunately. Um, you can't force them to get it. You can't do any of those kinds of things. So it's just something that we have to kind of deal with. Now, what that does mean is that any of those emails that do end up getting delivered, any of those responses become that much more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. That, that that plays a, a big role here. But Scott, what I'm kind of curious about as we dive into this, and, and I pulled up the Jungle Scout screenshot like I said I was going to do, and I, I'm taking a look at this. and. You know, I, I'm curious, and this would be a great question if we had them here with us, but unfortunately we don't, is, you know, the top two sellers are below $10. Mm -hmm. Then you got one person who's doing okay. They're selling a handful a day at about 30 bucks. Uh, then $13, $9, uh, $14, $8, and then another person who's doing okay right around 25 And is this right? a bundle? Not is that the bundle? Not is quite ten a day. They're 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 fairly close. If I was a consumer, mm -hmm. I would think that they're probably the same thing. Okay. Right. And and so what what you and I have talked about a little bit in the past, and you've heard uh, you've heard the rant that I went on about. Joel and I had this conversation. Our our buddy Joel. Uh, Amazon is kind of the lowest common denominator in terms of marketing, right? Yeah, yeah, if people yeah. don't understand what the product is at a glance and what makes it difference different at a glance then it becomes very hard to sell it at a higher price point versus something like my own site, right? Where I can, 
get them to come look at it. I can explain to them what makes our product awesome. I can do all of those kinds of things. On Amazon, you don't have that benefit of the doubt because you're not controlling that experience in any way. And so taking a look at that, when I take a look at the competitors, you know, I see $9, $8, and then I see something that looks almost identical for 20 bucks. Why, mm. why would I buy that? And what, what makes it different? And so is there a way to call that out in the title, right? The importance of that. And it looks like we're trying to do that with the title, but it doesn't give me any benefit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, and I, I'll send you a screenshot of the title if you want to see it. But it's one of those things where if we can call out why that will help someone, that might help us as well. Mm -hmm. Because what we're saying is, you know, here's the thing that makes us different. And it's a feature, but that doesn't tell me anything. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it makes total sense. I mean, you have to call out the reason uh, why they would um, be be wanting to buy this and why yours solves a specific problem or uh, makes it easier for them to use or whatever, right? Whatever that big benefit and that feature is, you want to call that out if that will help you make yours stand out amongst the crowd and make it be like, oh, well, you know what? I, I'm willing to spend an extra eight bucks for this thing because it's it's got this and the other one, I can't really tell if it does or, you know, whatever. Um, but I, I just want to go back to kind of like the review thing. I definitely think that that definitely has an effect. I just said definitely twice because I guess I really mean that. <laughs> no, uh, and, and you, looking at the the search results page for this, that's the other thing, right? I'm looking yeah. the guy to his left is 13.99, the guy to his right is 9.98. They're both four and a half or five stars. Yeah. He's and, at four. And he's at four. Okay. Yeah. So I think that that and and here's the thing, even if you're just looking at that as a glance, once you click in and you look at it, he's right. You're going to see those uh those ones that were left that are the negative reviews at the top, especially if someone else agreed with it and upvoted it or, you know, liked it and said it was helpful, that's going to make it stick to the top as well. Now, I know he had some concerns thinking that maybe it was a competitor. I don't believe it was a competitor um, that did this, uh, but it's something that you have to be aware of. And I think the first step in that is to actually go in there to those reviews and re reply to those people individually, not as a canned response. That's number one. Um, number two, um, I, I want to kind of talk about the price. Like you said, in this in this space, unless you have something that makes it completely unique, okay, and where someone's like, okay, I want that one because it's a better model and it's clearly a better a better thing, right? Then I'm willing to spend it. If not, I'm gonna buy the one that's you know ten dollars and ninety nine cents versus yours being twenty dollars and ninety nine cents. Like there has to be a reason. So I think price is definitely going to be an issue. And he says down here in one of his bolded sections, I love it too, by the way, Taff, um, what have I done so far to try to fix? And he says, lower the price. Hasn't really made a difference. Sales are the same all the way down to $16. But wait a minute. You just said that you lowered your price to match what the market is charging. And that's not, that's not true, really, if you only went to 16. Why haven't you tried 14? Why haven't you tried 12? Why haven't you tried 1099? Uh, and again, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, I can't go below 16 because I'm going to lose money or I'm not going to make any money. You have to take that and throw that out the window while you're testing this to, to verify if that's the case or not. Right. So even though right now you're thinking to yourself, I have this this, you know, investment here, uh, you know, in, in this product. Well, the first thing you have to identify is will the price make it start to sell? 
And if that's the case, well, on a positive note, that means we can probably get rid of it for what we have invested. And he gave me the, the metrics here as far as how much he has unit cost and how much he's selling it for and all that stuff. And I have to say, the landed cost to Amazon is kind of high for a product only selling for $20, $8, like $8 right. a unit. And then you have fees on top. And of then it. you got your fees and he's got $2.99 on fees. I think that's a little low, but let's just say that that's, that's the case. You're talking $11 is what your break-even point is without any pay-per-click, okay? So at this point, you, you want to get back 11 bucks in, in, in my head if I'm thinking to myself, you know what, I kind of got to get out of this space because I don't think this is going to fly. There's nothing really proprietary on my product or there's nothing that's going to make people just give me that extra eight bucks. Um, I got to get out of this thing. It might just be worth it to just, you know, put the price down to, you know, 10 bucks and call it a day. You know, it's just, it, it depends on if you're married to this market. If you're married to this market and you want to build an email list in this market and you want to now learn from this experience, maybe use this as a, as a lead-in offer. Maybe this is something that you're going to continue because you've already done the sourcing and everything. And maybe you are going to sell it for $13.99 just as a lead to get into your other products. Maybe that's what you're going to do. Or maybe you just, you know, totally cut your losses and just liquidate and get out of there. Um, and I think that was your question. So these are some things that I'd be asking and Chris would be asking to kind of figure out that next move. My first thing would be go on those reviews and, and, uh, and I'm not sure, Chris, can, can you go back in and edit a review that you've already kind of replied to? Uh, if not, you can reply to it again. Okay. So again, you might want to just do that. Um, so that would be like first thing. The second thing is I would go in and start testing price. Like I would just go into, I mean, maybe, you know, you're just going to find out that the sweet spot for this product is $11.99. You know what I mean? And, and that's not going to work for you. So we got to liquidate and we got to get out of there. So that's going to, at least you're going to know that. Um, but he said here too, I just, I didn't finish that. Sales are the same all the way down to $16. So I don't think that's, that price is an issue. I haven't tested closer to the $10 mark, which would be a disaster for my margins. So right there, you can tell he's got concerns that his margins are going to suffer if he goes below $16. And I think I just, I just said that, you know, you can't really worry about that at this point. Um, ran a lightning deal at $16, sold eight units, which made no difference. Made, uh, maybe price was too high for lightning. I agree. Um, I've always run a feedback loop and, uh, feedback loop and refunded customers when I get a complaint. Um, so that, and that's good and, and you should, but I think the reviews is definitely dropping your conversions. Um, I also think that the price is going to be an issue. That's just my gut. Um, Chris, what else did you want to say on this and maybe any other bits of advice or maybe next steps? So there's a few quick things, Scott, and you and I kind of know that you can sell a, you can absolutely sell a higher end product in a market dominated by lower price competitors. One of the products that we have in the new brand is double the price of the nearest competitor and we sell tens a day, right? 10, 20, 30. We did 40 something yesterday, right? And so you can absolutely sell at a higher price point, but you have to have a couple things. You have to have a solid foundation of reviews and you have to have an obvious value proposition, right? It has to be obviously higher quality or you have to have that many more better reviews than everybody else. So my thought here is, is kind of twofold. One, you know, he seems to be okay with liquidating it as long as he's not taking a heavy loss. So if mm -hmm. we're saying it's $10.99 a unit and we can sell it for $11.99, yeah, we're going to make a dollar. It's not a loss. That's actually a profit for us. Mm -hmm. It's 
it's not a great margin, but it's still a margin. And so when we take a look at the the market here, you know, $16 is still double the the average product that I'm seeing on here. There you know, there's a couple guys at 14 or 15, but for the most part you're at your like 8, 9, 10 mark or 25. Right? And that those are obviously different products than than what he has. And so what I would do is I would test it at 10.99 or 9.99 for a few days and see if that makes a difference in the sales. So what you're doing there is you're, you're kind of sucking it up and saying, okay, I'm, I'm cool with breaking even or taking a little bit of a loss. If what we see there is a massive spike in sales velocity, or it's at least closer to where we were before, mm -hmm. then we can make an informed decision, right? At $16, we can't say we tried matching market price if market price is around 10 bucks. What we can do, though, is we can actually match that market price. And if our sales volume goes back up, then we can make a decision about whether or not we're okay with that or if we want to try to leave it there for a few days to get the sales volume so that we can get some reviews to offset the, the negative ones that are there, right? If we go from selling five a day to selling 20 a day, that makes a massive difference in the number of reviews that we're going to get back. Mm. Does that make sense? And once once we've kind of overcome that little hurdle for us, if we can get back to four and a half or five stars, then we bring the price back up and see if our sales velocity stays right. Then we know if it's purely a price driven thing or if it's a, a mixture of the reviews and the price. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, here's here's one other thing, though, I want to throw in here that we didn't really talk about. He, here was he gave us another little tidbit here, and that was possibly he says possible reasons for drop. And we talked about the reviews, but he said he's also noticed after he ran out of inventory that there was an alternative solution for this product. So you don't need to bundle it. It was a, it was basically a less bulky, uh, feature as well, or, or, you know, bundle, uh, in a sense, but it was all rolled into like one product now. Um, but he goes on to say, but you know, before he had his bad reviews, he still had no problem selling 15 or 20. But again, that product might not have been in the market, um, or maybe it was new and now that's a better solution. So someone came up with a better solution, taking the bundle that you created, mating it, do the same exact thing, just in a better way that they don't have to have two components. Now they have one component maybe. Um, so that might be something that you have to say to yourself, do I want to stay in this market? Because I believe that I can build you know, an audience in this market and serve this market and build a brand. But if you're not married to it, then maybe you want to just get out of here and start somewhere else. But if you do want to stay in here, then you might want to learn from them. And then again, go in there and create something similar or something better or with more features, um, reading through other reviews and all of that stuff. So that's another option, but that's another reason that you could have lost some of these sales. Cause if there's, you know, 3000 of these things selling every single month, and you're, you know, you were taking up 700 of them and then a new solution comes in and people are liking it and they're getting good reviews, you're going to lose some of those sales naturally, right? It's just going to happen. So that's another question to ask yourself. And one other little uh, thing that I'd like to add here is another way that you can, you know, get these things out of your possession and kind of get some of your money back is to just go out there and start reaching out to influencers in, in this market. There's a bunch of them out there. Um, I'm sure you know where you can find them. I know you can find them on YouTube. You can find them on probably Instagram. You can probably find them on Facebook. So there's three big platforms you can find them on. Reach out to them and uh, see if they'd be willing to try it out, 
give a review on their channel, and then maybe you can offer a discount for, you know, their peeps, you know, like may, maybe that's what you do too. So that's another way for you to start to get rid of this 1500, um, you know, a lot of, uh, of inventory. Um, so that, that's what I would say, but that's a, I guess that's a big thing that we, we kind of left out is that there is an alt, there's an alternative now in, in this market that they actually took your solution as a bundle and made it into its own product, which I think is, was worth noting. Cause that could be a huge part of the sales dropping. What do you think on that, Chris? Yeah. And, and I think it, it comes back to it, testing it and then making that decision. Mm. Right. And that's that's really the the decision that you were talking about, Scott, is really the decision that needs to be made. And it's it's one that none of us ever hope we have to make, which is do I keep going? Do I like this market enough? And then if so, what do I do about it? Yep. Right. And and so if, if you make that decision, then you can start to do some of those things like reach out to influencers and and see if you can get it to go a different way and boost it back up and then make some of those. Other so choices. if, so sense? yeah, so if we're in the hot seat or if, if we're in the, in the room together and Taff is in the hot seat right now and you and I are sitting there like we do at uh, our live uh, events. Okay. And we said, and I asked the question, I go, Taff, are you married to this market? Do you love this market? Do you want to build a brand in this market? And he says, no, I, I really don't. I just thought it was a good product to start with. What would you, what, what advice would you give him? Uh, in this case, well, I, I would go back to test it and then move on, right? Mm -hmm. if, if we can make this product work at a lower price point or we can get sales velocity up and then raise the price point back to a place where we're making 5 or $6 a sale, even if we're not making our $10 a sale, mm -hmm. then it might be worth continuing to go with. So, you know, if, if the worst case scenario here, Scott, is that we liquidate the product, what does it hurt to price it at $10.99 or $9.99 to see if that makes a difference right now? Right. If it does, and then we can then test it back at a higher price point because we've countered some of those negative reviews and we've gotten mm -hmm. our sales velocity and we're at least making our money back yep. right at 1099, then that's the very first thing that we should do. Yep. Regardless of whether or not we're married to the product, because we never want to take a loss unless we have to. Yep. So that would be where I would start. And yep. then you can take the time to, to make the decision about, okay, either we do need to liquidate it. I can sell it at this, but when I raise the price, nothing else happens. If that's the case, and you don't want to make, you know, 50 cents or a dollar a unit, which I would not suggest to anybody out there, then you liquidate it and you move on if you're not married to it. Yep. Right. If you are, then you have to figure out a, a strategy to push it to a higher price point. And that that's an entirely different conversation, I think. Right. And I think uh, I'm going to go back to the very first thing that I would do, Taff, is I would clean up the reviews, those negative reviews. I would clean them up, meaning I would respond to them again. And I would try to, uh, again, be personable and show the, it's not, it's primarily for the people that are going to be viewing those reviews more so than the people that left the reviews. So you want to just show that you're there and you're addressing them and that you will take care of them. Okay. So that's, that's number one. Like that's something you can do like right now, boom, go do it. Um, the next thing is, is, is start testing that price point. And, and I would do as Chris said, I would do it in increments and I would try it for probably like three days. And then I would come back and, and kind of either lower it or raise it, um, whichever direction you're going. If you drop it right away, if you're going to be aggressive and you're going to go, I'm just going to go straight to 1099 and see what happens. And you see that, you know, sales tick up, then I would then bring it to 1199 after the, you know, three days and see what that does. And I would keep to, I, I would keep trying those different price points. And then again, you can start to address that. But if in your head, you're thinking to yourself, like, I don't really know if I want to create an email list around this market. And I don't think I want to speak to this market. And I don't want to create content for this market. 
then it may just be a lot of work for something that, that you could be putting into something else that could do that um, in that market. I do think this market uh, is a great market for building an email list and delivering content on a regular basis. I truly, truly do. Um, so with that in mind, um, now it's it's kind of up, up to you, but I think we've given you some action steps to do and anyone else listening this is kind of how you have to think about it. And the one thing I want to highlight here is I don't want you to walk away from this experience saying to yourself, man, this sucks and I'm a failure and it didn't work. Okay. I do not want you to think this because you're not a failure because you haven't given up. And number two, what have you learned through this experience? If you had never exactly. launched a product, we wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. You wouldn't be thinking about these questions to ask yourself when this situation happens. You wouldn't understand the process and how it works. You wouldn't be thinking about a market. You wouldn't be thinking about, uh, you know, how to follow up with the reviews better. So this way here, your next product, you do a better job. Like to me, and I actually, I did a little Instagram, little message here today. It's like, I look at this as profit. This is like profit in education currency in a sense. Like this is where you've learned through this, through doing that. Now you have all that, all that experience that to me is an asset and an asset to me is kind of like part of your profit, but it's just not currency in a sense, as far as like the dollar, but it will turn into dollars because you're smarter from this experience. Does that make sense, Chris? That does make sense. I like that. And, it, you know, I I absolutely 100% agree with you. I, I like the, the concept of educational currency. Yeah. Right? Like, and you and I talked about this in Power Hour recently. You know, you only fail when you give up. And this is one of those things where, yeah, it's going to be a learning experience, but we can probably get out of this market at break even. Yep. Uh, if, if we can't get this thing to turn around, you know, they're selling right around our break even point. And so we can we can do that if that's the decision that we make. And that's one of the things that's great about Amazon. And so we can take what we learned here and, you know, we, we learned a lot. Just just looking through this email attack, mm. you've learned a ton. You've learned that sometimes bundling isn't the best way to go if there's an easier solution to the same problem. Right. Which is what your competitor did. And that's how they were able to solve the same problem at a lower price point than you and probably a lower cost per unit as well and lower fees because they don't have two pieces and, and all of those things. And so we can take that same lesson, roll that into a, a new product or a new market and really succeed the second time around. Yeah, no. So again, I, I don't want, I don't want anyone to, uh, to go through this process and feel defeated. Um, it, yes. Are you going to a little bit? Yes. But uh, what you need to do is you need to, you need to flip that switch and, and kind of go back to what we just said. And, and, you know, to me, you're going to be able to get out of this. You're going to be able to get out of it ahead, I believe, as far as like you're going to break even, hopefully. And then from there, you're going to walk away with it, with a ton of knowledge. And then you're going to be able to bring that into the next thing. And just to kind of throw it out there in the new brand, like we've launched just about nine or 10 SKUs, if you count variations. And there's probably three of those that we're going to discontinue. We're going to just liquidate and be done with them. And, you know, we're happy to just break even or maybe even take a little bit of a loss and get our capital back so we can start putting it into a different product. We've learned through that process. Um, but it doesn't make us a failure. 
it just means that that one didn't work. Let's move on to the next um, and, uh, and and just kind of go from there. So um, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We're just a little bit over our 30 minute mark. We try to keep these at 30 minutes because this is our training. When we do our TAS Breakthrough Lives, we have 30 minute hot seats generally, and we try to keep them to a 30 minute slot. So uh, Chris, we're right about there. So anything else you want to wrap up with before I do the close here for this uh, podcast? No, I think uh, I think that about wraps it up, Scott. You know, for anybody out there that is in this similar situation, I think that that concept that we just discussed of like educational currency and figuring out what you've learned and applying that in the future is absolutely key. If you guys are in a similar situation, don't get your head down, right? Take those things, apply them and move forward. We're all going to run into problems in our businesses. And we said this at the beginning, Scott, you know, this is not like an Amazon specific issue. This is one of the things that occasionally stinks about being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. We don't always guess right. And guess what? Scott and I don't always guess right either. That's why you just said we, you know, we launched like eight SKUs. We're only going to keep a a handful of them because those are really the winners. And we're going to kind of clear through everything else. So not all of those all of those have been moderately successful and and are probably going to end up being profitable, but not all of those, I would even consider like a first, uh, a base hit, right? Mm, a couple of yeah. those were bunts. Yep, and yep. that happens even to Scott and I, and it's because, you know, we missed something in the process. Yep. And yep. it happens to everyone because we get really excited, <laughs> right? right? We go, ooh, there's this and this and this and this. And then you, you kind of steamroll through it and then you have to take a step back when something isn't working and dial that in and figure out what the problem is and fix that for the future. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, cool. So, uh, and I did mention our TAS Breakthrough Live. If you guys are interested in ever attending one of those, we generally keep them small, generally 30 people. Uh, and we do hot seats. We'll do, we generally do 10 hot seats. So there's, uh, there's, uh, usually 20 people that attend 10 people sit in the hot seats. Everybody, everybody can uh, contribute and it's kind of like a giant mastermind. And, uh, we will be doing another one here in the near future. If you're interested at all in that head over to the amazing forward slash live. If you see a registration link there, that'll just get you on an early notification list. You can also, uh, get a couple of, uh, highlight reels there that uh, are from RTS breakthrough live events. We love them, and that's why we do these here on the podcast as well, because it's a way for us to continue to do them and and really give back to the TAS community. And uh, we just love going through this because it's kind of like reverse engineering and and asking the right questions to come up with a solution. And uh, hopefully we've done that for you guys here today. So guys, that is going to wrap it up. The show notes, the transcripts can be found at theamazingseller.com forward slash 420. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 420. As always, Chris, this has been a blast. I know you're going to help me wrap this up here tonight, right? Uh-oh. Or tonight. Did I say tonight? It's today. It's actually in the middle of the day. Are you ready? <laughs> it's just because it's not first thing in the morning. It threw you off. <laughs> but it's kind of dark here right now. I think it's going to rain. But uh, are you ready to close this down? Let's do it. All right. Here, here we go. So guys, as I always say, I've got Chris on today. He's going to do it with us today. But remember, guys, as always, I'm here for you. I believe in you. And I am rooting for you. But you have to, you have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Chris is going to say it with me on the count of three. Are you ready, Chris? Let's do it. One, two, three. Take Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, guys. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode.